Hello, horror fam, best friends, and ghoulish knights, and welcome to the fourth episode of Murders with Mertens. This is a podcast about horror, psychological horror, body horror, cosmic horror, the horror-adjacent thrillers, the supernatural, scary films in general. Each episode, I intend to sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so that we can gush about everything that makes it just so damned cool. If you're new to Murders with Mertens, then welcome. And if you've been here from the beginning, you may need to question some of your life choices. Uh, but thank you for the support. You can provide some much needed support of this little endeavor by subscribing to the channel, liking and sharing the video and dropping a comment below to keep the conversation going. It's all greatly appreciated. Trust me, but enough of all that. Let's not waste an, any more time in introducing today's guest, Mr. Yasman 300. Yes. How the hell are you? I'm doing well, Joe. And thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For those who don't know you, who are you? I'm the one and only Mr. Yasma 300. Unless there's also three, 301, 302, which I still haven't met them. Or Mrs. Yasma 300. Well, so far as I know, it's well, not here. All in good time. All in good time. Yeah, all in good time. <laughs> <laughs> so in the well, you might know me as a kind of funny best friend. You might see me sometimes. The guy posting breaking news to Nick Scarpin in the Twitch chat. So I'm pretty sure now people will have, oh, this is the face of that guy who posted all the annoying links in the chat. Well, that being said, this is how most, most people know me. All right. All right. Um, been playing or watching anything interesting recently? Oh, yeah. Most, most recently, I've been, you know, binging like some episode of the Flash TV show. And I just finished, you know, because I have like a Blu-ray collection of the five seasons. And I just finished the fifth season. Now I'm actually waiting to, to happen to buy them on the next, you know, shipping from Amazon. All right. All right. I've been uh, not playing much in the way of games lately. Uh, I just haven't had a great amount of time, but I have been uh, starting up that new Taika Waititi show, Our Flag Means Death. That's been a lot of fun. Oh, uh, if you like pirate that's stuff. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Steed Bonnet I I and just uh, Blackbeard. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny stuff. It's uh, yeah, yeah. very much in the uh, what we do in the shadows vein, uh, for sure but uh, worth checking yeah. out. Um, so tonight's episode, uh, this is one of your films that uh, you suggested, <laughs> one of your favorites. It's uh, Takashi Miike's audition from <laughs> way back in uh, 1999. It's interesting. <laughs> I have yet to do anything that wasn't in the 80s or the 90s for this show. So thank you for keeping really? that trend going. <laughs> <laughs> so yes yeah. what's your uh what's your history with this film well my history about is like the first time i found out about it was like the news article from ig and they were saying that uh, the producer of basic instant uh mario casar whom people might also know he also produced like action movies for stallone and arnold and he most famously produced a uh, total recall and cliffhanger mm -hmm. and what happens that i read that he's actually going to be producing a remake of this film so they come to say, what's this the, the, this original Japanese film? So when I did some stories about it, I found out that, that people were talking about how mostly they were talking, we might talk about later, the third act, of, because that's what most people famously know about it. So I started, you know, looking around and then until I found out that I saw the film. That's how was my introduction with it. Gotcha. Yeah, I know it came out of that big J-horror boom from the late 90s and early 2000s. And uh, this was... Yep kind of a shocking film to a lot of people, especially the end. Like you said, the third act is where it turns from what could easily just be like some type of romantic drama or something into mm -hmm. something completely different. And um, yeah, I mean, it had a bit of a reputation, right? Um, I didn't yep. really hear about it until maybe around 2006, 2007, something mm -hmm. like that. And um and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I, I, I got to see this. Uh, I, I was subscribed to the, the blockbuster version of Netflix back in the day where, you know, <laughs> they would mail you the discs and so on. And uh, my, uh, my ex and I, I remember we got this and just were just floored by uh, how this film plays out. Um, it's, it's very odd in just the kind of in your face misogyny that does present mm -hmm. itself especially in the beginning of the film but yeah. and while some people will try to frame this as 
you know, maybe a little bit of, you know, like feminism striking back at the end. It doesn't exactly feel that way either. I don't know. It's, I know, uh, Japanese culture, uh, feminism, as we think of it, you know, here in the West doesn't really exist, uh, at least not to the degree that we would, you know, think that it might. And, um, it's almost like a reverse misogyny at the end in that, you know, she basically becomes everything that could possibly be his worst nightmare. I don't know. Um, it, it's a very, very strange film. I know people have some, um, you know, strong feelings about this one as well. There are people that famously walked uh-huh. out of original <laughs> screenings at festivals and so on. And then, you know, people like uh, uh, Tarantino that, uh, you know, tout this as one of his favorite films of all time. Um, I mean, the film doesn't involve feats. If you're certain. Yeah, you know what I mean. yeah that's uh, kind of his thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, why don't we start here with the beginning? Um, you know, it's this weird little back and forth of this child walking down a hall. He's got this, I I don't know what it is, if it's like a school project or whatever that he's carrying. And I think it was a gift he made for his mom. Was that what it is? Okay. Because I saw him holding, it's written in Japanese, um, because because I saw it on Tubi and this, it was written the subtitles get well soon in the English. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's going to visit his mother and there's his father over his mother on her deathbed in the hospital. So we get a, you know, nice little depressing, you didn't make it in time kid sort of opening to this film <laughs> and then cut to big, bold letters seven years later. And okay. Uh, they're just living their life. They're going fishing. Looks fun. A little windy. I, I don't know, but uh, their dialogue back and forth. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, what it was, but um, it, it kind of sums up a lot of the film too. And I don't know. There, um, it, it was a little weird. A little weird. Um, How exactly do you mean weird? I, I don't know. It's maybe a little forced in that you know we're trying to sneak the plot of the film into this early conversation, that type of thing. You know how a lot of films will try to pull that. Um, I don't know if that's what they were really shooting for or not, but uh, I don't know. Felt a little off, but um, still, you know, nice to see that. You know, that this father and son, they their lives aren't you know complete shit after uh, losing you know their mother at an early age and everything. Um, so then they get home. Um, the son plows through food like crazy. Um, he's, he's very he's much into dinosaurs too. and very much into dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. Um, I yeah. wish he's not the, B- this is the prequel to Jurassic Park because I have feeling that he might be the BD one character from Jurassic Park. I mean, Park. you never know. You never know. <laughs> um, and you know, they've got this cute ass, uh, beagle, uh, which is probably oh. a puppy, but, uh, I don't know. They seem kind of neglectful of it in these early scenes. Did you notice something at the film? I don't know if it's because I saw it on Tubi. I think the audio for the dogs looks like they, it's an ADR, but the sound mixing doesn't sound that good for the dog. Yeah. I think it sounds very much yes. like it's dubbed, but, uh, I mean, the dog's still cute as fuck. So, you know, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, the, the son tells the father, they, you know, he looks worn out. So, you know, you should probably get married again. Because, you know, you look worn out. I I don't know how exactly those two things correlate. But, uh, I I mean, who says this? Maybe it has to do with the culture. Like, the fact that the wife, you know, is like to take care of the house and stuff. Because I remember... But he had the housekeeper, right? (laughs) Yes, he had the housekeeper. Was also married. And she also, her daughter, I think she's also... I don't know. Is her daughter getting married? I must think of a different person getting married. Oh yeah, she did, does make a comment later that uh she's uh yeah, got a daughter who's getting married. Yeah. Um let's see here. Because I know the secretary is getting married, which we'll talk about it later. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hey, a little weird. Um, but um, uh, you know, this essentially gives us our plot, right? Um, that he's yeah. time has passed. And essentially the son thinks it's time, dad, 
you know, we got to get you out of the house. Um, and, and I also do like that. The fact that son is actually like, he's okay with him getting mad. It's like most of the time you see like yeah. the son is not happy in movies with his stepwife. It's like, yeah, go ahead, get married. Hey, he's a good kid. You know, he's, mm, yeah, he's not one of these little asshole kids from these movies. Like you're thinking of, that's for sure. And he's also older. Like, is yeah. he in high school or, or I, is I think he in he's college? In, it seems like he's in high school. Um, because they, when they remember later in the movie, um, I can talk. They bring up the girls, and he's like, oh, she's about my age." If you remember, yeah, he uh, mentions that um, he met her on his way to school, <laughs> so they don't go to the same school. But uh, no, I'm talking about the one who later, like the love interest, the father. When he talks to her, like, "Hey, I'm about to get married." He tells him his age. It's like, oh, she's oh about yeah, my yeah, age. yeah, yeah. How uh, much closer to his age because she's only like twenty four or something like that. But um, yeah. I, I still think, he, yeah. I mean, if he's not he's in high the school, end of he's, his high school, maybe. Yeah, maybe he's, uh, you know, in his freshman or sophomore year of college or something like that. Yeah. Very young still, uh, but he's a good kid. You know, he wants something, you know, good stuff for his dad. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I don't mind that. Uh, and then. Uh, Ayama is that the character's name? Uh, he's got his friend uh, Yoshikawa, uh, and they're at the bar together, hanging out. And his buddy brings up just the worst idea ever. We're gonna hold an audition for you, buddy. I, I again. You know I, who's that actor, right? His best friend. God, he looks so crazy familiar. I couldn't place him, and I should have just looked. He wasn't Kill Bill, the one whom Lucy Lou decapitates. Okay. Okay, in, in the scene with the table with all the yakuza, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that works. Most um, also recently in a movie like called Kid on Netflix, he plays the yakuza like whom kids sense to kill. Okay, is that that uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead one? Yes. Okay. The one on Netflix. Okay, well, maybe I should check that one out. Um, so they decide they're going to hold this audition and. Sure, why not? <laughs> Again, we wouldn't have a plot to this movie otherwise, right? But it does feel a little creepy, yeah. Um, and they, you know, these guys are in the film industry in one form or another, and it sounds like, uh, you know, they're gonna do this thing as almost a write off, they're not just doing it for Ayama. Um, you know, essentially, you know, they're gonna find him a lady but they're just going to cast somebody else and they're still going to make this film regardless, even if they don't find him somebody. So, okay. I guess it makes somewhat good business sense, but wow, that still feels And he even creepy. says that if it doesn't work, we say that, Oh, we have some financial issues, et cetera. We just can't say the project didn't move forward. All this like unusual BS. Sometimes you hear from, from like stories from Hollywood. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, they decided to set this up and, um, I guess it's just fate that the psycho is listening to the radio when uh, she hears the ad for this audition. Um, was that supposed to be her as a child? No. But they did show some flashes of her as a child in the same apartment. Um, but they, they must have had quite the budget to, um, you know, spec out this audition for this guy to find a wife. Uh, but you know, cause they've got radio advertisements. They, they probably put something online. I mean, it was 99, right? Um, they're, they're, Ayama's got a good friend. Let's put it this way. He's looking out for him. Um, With too much money. Yeah. That's a lot of money for something like that. Um, and they also, you, that's people up the mind. They also brought up like they were doing a recession, if not mistaken, but they were in the bar. I'm, I'm sorry, what did about you the say bar? say something? During the bar conversation, we talk about spending money. Did you also break up like there's a, they're currently in a recession, right? Right. Yeah. So they're doing this all like, in a recession. Yeah. It's one of those in this economy type of jokes. Um, but man, yeah. they're making it work. And they do bring up that even in a recession, uh, you know, movies get made. People want to go see movies. So, yeah. Okay. And that's actually very true. So, you know, it's just a pandemic that tends to kill the film industry for a little bit. That's all. I mean, tell that to Spider-Man admit $1 billion exactly. at the box office. Yeah. 
but things were certainly more relaxed by the time mm-hmm. that came out. So it had a chance where a lot of other films like Tenet did not. Um, oh yeah. Oof. Yeah. That was a rough one for them. Um, so he's got just stack after stack of files on these ladies and, you know, he's got to narrow things down to 30 uh, and he starts pouring through, looking through things and then looks over, notices the photo of his dead wife on the desk and does the <laughs> little turn aside like he's doing something he should be ashamed of. Um, that photo comes back in a big way later, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so he's flipping through and slops some coffee on just one of the files. And I mean, of course, fate plays into this <laughs> out of film. all the files yes it, it, it plays into this film in a big big way doesn't it because he slaps coffee on asami's file and he's looking at this photo and my god her photo looks like it's you know a shot from a psych ward or something like that the psycho just staring <laughs> boring through the camera um but you know, he decides, okay, this one's striking a chord. He reads a little bit of her essay and, yeah, really strikes a chord with him. Um, there's, like, an interaction in here somewhere with his son. Uh, he's brought a young lady home. Good for him. He's a very proud father at this point. He tells him to eat his dinner. Right, To right. give her my dinner. <laughs> that, that was super kind. And, uh yeah. Yeah, so he, he goes through a few more files and everything, goes and talks to his kid. Um, you know, the the girlfriend's a little embarrassed that she ate uh, his dinner or whatever. <laughs> it's it's all, you know, perfectly pleasant, right? Um, and before he does the hand gestures, like, okay, hand gestures, like, you yeah, picked the yeah, right like <laughs> You're doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, very proud of his son. Um, Which we'll talk also later about oh. it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and also, uh, he's, um, this is where he actually farts, finally starts, uh, interacting with his dog. Thank God, because I would feel really bad for this poor little dog <laughs> if it was that bad throughout the entire film. So he takes him out for a walk. That's nice. Um, so now's here where we finally get to the audition and it's almost half an hour into this film. Um, it takes its time, the movie. Yeah, it does. And I don't mind a film taking its time. But, I mean, here's the thing. This film was never intended to be marketed as a horror film. but That's the main problem with this film. It's like they heavily marketed as a horror film. And when I was reading about it, it's actually the same company that made The Ring. And they're like, mm-hmm. we need our next, after September, like, we need our next horror film. It's like... Well, let's make this one like, and this is what happened. You heavily marketed it. Yeah, because they really wanted like it... that shock value of mm-hmm. you know, uh, two thirds of the way through the film or three quarters of the way through the film, everything kind of turning on its head. And unfortunately, you didn't get that. So you're kind of expecting a little bit more. Uh, and well, you know, it just doesn't happen. But uh, it's okay. I, I again, I don't mind a slow burn, and I think this film does that you know quite well. Uh, Ayama, Just imagine the reception of the internet if this movie came out today. Everyone's oh, like, "Man, this is, this is a lie to us." Internet film culture it's was just, not yeah. anything Thank like God. it was back in '99. I mean, I was on Dark Horizons and Ain't It Cool News, and that's about it back then. And Twitter mm-hmm. was not a thing yet, so thank God for that because this film would have been ripped apart from that standpoint. So yeah, yep. maybe it's a little lucky. <laughs> um. So they start up the audition process here and uh, Oyama feels like a criminal. Uh, and, you know, maybe because all of this is just skeevy as fuck. I don't know. It's yeah. uh, this. He even tells them like the whole movie. Are you sure this is okay? It's like, ah, oh, come on. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It all gets hand waved away. Um <laughs> But it makes uh, me wonder if he's done this before, like his friend. Has he done this before? Well, I mean, he, I I'm like sure he's, he's certainly run auditions for films. It's just the fact that there's <laughs> a big ulterior motive in this as well. Um, yeah, it just makes it extra skeevy, doesn't it? Um, Even and, now, with the stories that have been coming out with the Me Too, what happened to Time? So you've heard stories about oh, yeah. this. Like, you go to audition, sometimes later, they start flirting, 
that we heard about them. Right. The right. woman just came out from Hollywood. Well, and there's plenty of creepy stuff that uh, yeah. you know does happen during the course of this audition. And a lot of them are, you know, super cringy oh, yeah. enforced, uh, like you would expect. Uh, you know, you it does get... has actually one funny moment. Did you notice like they, they said we need some between like the twenty-five and the thirty-five? I think you see a woman who's over that that age limit and this they look at her, both of them. Did you notice? I must have I missed that also... part. But you know, <laughs> you get the one woman who both... decides to just start undressing. You've got, you know, oh, somebody yeah. tap dancing, you've got a cheerleader. It's you know, and you get a couple of people that, you know, seem like, okay, they, they seem serious about this. They seem like they'd probably be a good fit. And they probably end up one of them getting the role in the film that, you know, we never see get made. But, uh, yeah. And Even like, the, uh, did you notice, like, he's like, uh, put this one in, uh, he talks to his agent, put this one in, in, in another project, the actress. <laughs> right, right. So, them. I mean, at least his buddy, uh, uh, you know, is still taking it somewhat seriously as crazy as this whole idea sounds but uh yeah and uh th then the questions the that they're asking oh absolutely like, like, yeah and I the questions like... that they're asking are pretty oh, damn yeah, cringy as well too um but it's also it's like okay i would expect this out of the film industry in 99 as well um i don't know uh but yeah, we, we get through a good number of them. And then we finally get to, I think she was like number 28 or something like that. We, we get it was, yeah. it was close to the end. Um, and you know, uh, Ayama was definitely waiting for her. He knew that mm. she was who she was. Um, he's the one who selected all these people as it is, mm. but, um, you know, he is, he is pretty eager and he just launches into all the questions. His friend is just shocked by the things that he's asking. And yeah. I don't know. There's, there's this connection there. Right. And okay. His friend calls for a break and he's like, Hey man, what, what are you doing? And, you know, it, it's essentially, this is the one, right? And I think uh, Yama gets his first warning from his buddy that something feels off in this moment. Yeah. And boy, he needs to listen to his friend more in this story. Because uh, that Even comes back again and again. Yes, exactly. Because he gets some <laughs> visions of her too. Um, so he's like, at least wait before you call this lady right and mm -hmm. he does um and then you know not super long but you know eventually he just can't help himself and he does it and of course she's just been waiting sitting there on this tatami mat by her phone just waiting for this call yeah. um but uh, they, they make a date and then he speaks to his friend again and gets his next warning. Yeah, we can't find the record producer that she mentioned, the one that supposedly takes care of her. You know, it's something's not right here. But it's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's, you know, I, I could take care of myself. You know, he, he even says something to that effect that, yeah. you know. It's like, I'm a grown ass man. I can take care of myself. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> whatever comes up, he, he'll handle it. It'll be okay. Right. Um, so they go on their date and, uh, you know, he's a giant dork throughout the entire thing. And that's okay. Because, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of his character. And, you know, he's smitten too so eh, it's kind of cute from that regard but um she straight up asks to see him again and well uh yama's friend uh is justifiably suspicious uh after they talk about the producer and doesn't he bring up the record producer in the first date that uh hey by I the way he does. And, and she's like oh yeah no, i kind of lied i yeah. lied yeah that's mm -hmm. how she you know hand waves it all away that uh, you know, yeah, there really wasn't this guy, or you know, he's now, he's a real person, but mistaken, I don't really know of, him. If I'm not mistaken, most of her dialogues when you see him in the scene, they mostly is from a POV shot on on the on the father, right? It's not on her because do you think maybe this they did this because you know she's this is actually the actress' first time acting role, maybe because maybe her limitation. They, it could they, be because she was a model before this, right? Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, that said, I think she does an amazing job in the role. She is yeah, I mean, creepy as fuck. Especially Amanda, and we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. But um, I'm pretty sure now the chat was like, man, this is turning now into the movie now. It will take us half the time until it gets to the end, but we want to hear. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Um, but ultimately, um, yeah, they, they decide they're going to, you know, go on another date and he waits a bit to call this time and she still waits just sitting there on the mat waiting and i don't know yeah, because if we he talked with his friends What's his right the right like wait i'm gonna find any details no phone to have family except nothing yeah i'm you know if this were uh an american film in the 90s uh the friend would have been played by dennis miller and dennis miller would have been killed at the end of the second act because he was a little too nosy. Um, in fact, he seemed to play that role a lot in thrillers. Um, Who is Dennis Miller? Remind me again. Dennis Miller was on Saturday night live. He hosted weekend update. Um, he, oh. he did a few dramatic roles in addition to comedy. Um, and usually in the nineties, that's exactly who his character was in films. He was like the best friend who does some digging because he's concerned and ends up dying in the film because he did the digging. Um, or maybe the ex-husband in some of the movies or. I can't remember if he played any of those types of roles, but uh, yeah, the, he was just totally typecast in that type of a situation quite often. No, I'm talking about this type of films. Sometimes you see, they make it as if there's a divorce couple they make the hicks husband like he's good he's searching about the about the new boyfriend to see if oh yeah because he's a little concerned or something maybe a little too yeah. concerned but still you know it comes from a good place um so i is it here that we get the bag that rolls around a little bit when the phone rings or is it a little bit later uh, the in the same, film it's the second call okay okay like so a, this is our first remember, little he's at the that, office yeah, yeah. This is our first little hint that something is really, really off with this girl. Yeah. Um. So, yes, date two. Yama's a giant dork again, but he just falls deeper and deeper into the spider's web. And then mm -hmm. he's finally ready to have a serious talk with his son. And it's about Did you him. Something in the second date because I don't know if I noticed it because I was watching it on Tubi and did you notice the bad editing? It's like when they were talking about the bar, like the badly edited, like it cuts differently. Like he's standing still when he was asking her, it's like, oh, that's the blue oyster bar. It's like, can I go ever visit there? He did you notice? That? No, I totally missed that. I don't know. I I was yeah, watching. I was watching. I thought hmm. because I was watching it on Tubi and I thought it it, it time skipped. It's like I had to repeat it. Did I notice the wrong edit? And it did. Well, I'm curious, and we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later because we go back to the scene uh, later yeah. on. Uh, but I think it might have something to do with him uh, not necessarily remembering things correctly. Uh, that, that could mm. be what's going on there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, because uh, also, there has been, like you said, there was also some another scene we'll talk later, which I, which I noticed might actually have been also a bad ADR. Which I'll talk to you later about. Sure. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Uh, so he decides, okay, now's the time. Got to talk to my son. Think this is it. I've had two dates with this lady, so it's time to ask her to marry me. It's a little fast, it's okay. Get married in Japan. Hey, if the two dates. I, I, you know what? If that works for you, that's great. Um, I, I think, especially, uh. This film uh, shows that that may be a, might be a little fast, but uh, this is where the fact that you know she's only twenty four comes up, and yeah. he's got to be. Son, he tells him like your love made you blind. He says something comment like this. Yeah, it's something like you're not like thinking that. straight. And Ayama's got to be like somewhere around fifty or something like that. Um, the fact that even the son who's like he tells him like he's not as suspicious as his friend. It's like. Man, the love made you blind. It's not making you think well. Makes me wonder if his son's also thinking the same thing. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. But then they decide they're going to go away for the weekend. And this is where he's going to pop the question. And again, I'm still thinking to myself, you've been on two dates and you're going to take somebody on a trip to a hotel by the sea. 
Um, two dates where mm. there's been like no physical contact whatsoever, and it's just been going to dinner. Okay, you know, it's um, sure you do, you buddy, but you see where this gets you. Um, and so they take off, they drive down the coast, and uh, they go to this super cool uh, little hotel. And you know, he, you know, is trying to, you know, come up with some ideas of some real wholesome activities that they can partake in. And she's like, Nope, I'm just going to strip down and hop into bed. Okay. <laughs> and Ayama's like, okay, guess it's on. Um, but only after she makes him promise, you know, pledge to her that he will love only her. And she also and she you shows, know, shows the stars. Yes. Um, and well, he's down. And all of a sudden he's snapping awake and there's nobody in bed with him. And he feels like completely out of his mind. I have a strong feeling that he was drugged at this point as well. Um, you know, it's not, you know, explicitly shown or anything, but just his reaction and how he's waking up and everything. Mm -hmm. He seems really out of it. Um, I mean, he does drink a lot. We see him like he drinks a lot. He's an yeah. alcoholic. Yeah, he's uh, definitely into his Japanese whiskey. And, you know, for good reason. They make very nice whiskey in Japan. Um, but, yeah, uh, he's very, very much out of it. And you get all these cool blue tone color grading shots in the hotel. Um, it's it's very well shot. I, I love that. Um, and... Well, she's gone, so it's, I guess it's time to do some yeah. investigating because, you know, supposedly he was going to propose to her there, uh, but he can't find an address. Oh, well, that's mm -hmm. kind of a red flag. Um, but he is able to discover where her uh, dance studio was. And so he finds it all boarded up, but, you know, he just pries those right off and climbs right in. I think, I don't know if he heard uh, the piano or he heard the piano. Was that it? Okay. But yeah. in my notes, it's like, Jesus, let yourself in. I guess <laughs> he just walks right in there. Um, Did he ever explain how that guy was in that place? Because the, the yeah, because it is boarded door. up, right? And yeah. well, maybe there's another door. I don't know. But yeah, That was uh, the only explanation I could think of. There was another door. Yeah. but Maybe uh, someone with one of the boards would send him like stuff. Who knows? I it's... Mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know if there was nights at DoorDash in Japan. Probably not in '99. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's a little odd to me that you know he's he's all bundled up in his wheelchair and everything, and alone in this you know abandoned dance studio. And uh, let's see here. I, I'm trying to remember. The moment you see him, the the moment you know, oh, that guy's a bad news. Yeah, yo, he's absolutely creepy. And had he had his feet cut off, was uh, I think it did you say that his feet cut off? Okay, yes, but yes, because he, he had the prosthetics. That's right, he had prosthetics. Yes, that's that's right. I remember now. So, you know, they, they talk a little bit, but uh, you know, they bring up uh, the stone fish which is the restaurant that she supposedly helped oh, out yes. at with her friend. Um, and I, is the restaurant shut down? He like runs into this guy in the building. I think it's not shut down. I don't know if it's still on or shut down because you notice the mail like under the door. That's lots of mail. That's what it was. Yes. And the lady who runs the restaurant is missing or something like that. Yeah. And the the guy that uh, Ayama runs into in the building, you know, gives him the story about um, something to do with uh, somebody finding she was three, extra and yeah, three extra fingers, an ear, and a tongue. Um, okay. <laughs> and she, he even she, show us the tongue like it's like a fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has that little dream <laughs> sequence there where he freaks out about that. Um and then, does something happen to the dog here? Oh, because later you see like a POV camera, someone going inside the house. Yes, and yes. And this is where she finds the, the picture of the dead wife. And she has a holy fit because, you know, how 
dare you love somebody other than me? You know, whether it's your son or, you know, the fact that you had a wife before me, oh, shit's going to go down. So he comes home and, uh, yeah, I'm a pours a drink. You mentioned the dog, yes, because you see him walking out, you hear him barking, then the barking stops. Right. You don't show you what happened. Yeah. And, you know, I'm fine with people not showing us the aftermath of hurting animals in films. It's, uh, it's not do you necessary. Do, but I, I want to talk to you about later about the dog. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll definitely put a pin in that. Um, so his whiskey is definitely spiked and he can tell yeah. almost instantly that something is off and he's kind of stumbling around and all that. Um, and I think it's here where he starts having some flashbacks yes. and he goes to the second date when they were right. And, he asked her about the family. And that's what I was getting at where, you know, you see what may feel like some bad editing, but ultimately is that i know him. that they shot the film in three weeks if i'm not mistaken right yeah and, yeah, and also mika because he has a repetition of shooting in two weeks this yeah, is very this one very took one week longer yeah so because that explains why his resume is lots of 100 movies accessible. oh yeah he is a prolific <laughs> filmmaker um so I'm wondering if what looked like bad editing may have been some of these scenes being trimmed out and that was him in his kind of lovey-dovey state, just not even noticing that he's having this conversation. Because there seems to be a lot that he is suddenly remembering that we had no idea was happening in this film up until this point. He's basically he's trying to have like an image that like he wants everything to be perfect. Right. It's like he's, he's his son. It's like he's hiding all this, the real thing that he's hearing. Yeah. So... Yeah, what's my notes say here? Uh, was Asami actually telling Ayama about her early abuse and he ignored it? Or was this the real like, deal? Oh. So, <laughs> was, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, here's where... Point, I think he was ignoring it. It's like he wants everything to be perfect. That's right. what it is. I, I think you're, you're very right there. So mm -hmm. now we're uh, getting into this weird little dream state uh, where he's suddenly remembering the, uh, the one night stand that he had with the lady from the office and uh -huh. yeah, the one that explains who, why she was acting weird to him. Exactly. Time. Yeah. Cause it was a very strange interaction that they had earlier on in the film where she goes to say goodnight, she was she's leaving and, and she's getting mad. It's like, Oh, congratulations. It's like, he didn't like, Oh man, he didn't feel like sorry for like he's about to mess up. It's yeah. like, oh, congratulations. Yeah, that was all very weird at the time, but now that it mm. comes full circle, makes sense. And also something to do with his son's girlfriend, apparently. Um, this, because I thought they, that this, like the relationship was like they're, they're not well. It's like they're just friends, aren't they? because he's saying something like we're not together. The son, right? Uh, I miss that. But uh, yeah, ultimately, she seems to be somebody coming, you know, flying out of the darkness, sort of attacking him in this dream state. I have. He, he might be like he has some sexual fantasies about her. And maybe it so was just gives another explanation when he does the okay sign. Yeah, yeah. It, it may have been something just that simple. But uh, yeah, it's, it's creepy. And... Now we're back to Asami's apartment and the sack rolling around again. Oh. And she vomits into a dog bowl, which apparently oh, the actress know. actually did because she was, was totally kind of method up. in this film. Um, I don't know if that was true or is that a rumor because they say that that's that he was eating an actual vomit. I don't know if that was true. Well, I think it's true that she vomits into the bowl. Not necessarily that uh, he is eating her vomit. This is a horrible conversation. I'd like to move past this point. <laughs> but also, it's Mika. You don't know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the guy in the sack, uh, who has no tongue, uh, is lapping up the vomit. And hopefully, we can move beyond the vomit now. Uh, yeah. Also, in my notes, how the watching, fuck did they? The only scene I'm sorry, go ahead. That was the only scene I actually, I covered my hand to see it because I I was okay watching the torture, but this one, like, nope, I'm not. <laughs> the torture always gets me later on, but uh, still, this is pretty rough. 
And so my question in my notes is, how the fuck do they clean these tatami mats in her apartment? Because she's got blood and everything else splattering on all these things. I don't know how well you can clean those things. I don't know. There's probably a way. <laughs> but it's gross as fuck in that apartment. Um, and then... Uh, Yes, well, we've got the you'll love only me, won't you? Uh, so she's back and, you know, she gets, um, well, let's see here. We've got more visions of the past with her cutting off the head of her dance instructor. And well, I think that's actually her stepfather, if not mistaken. Was he? Okay. So that makes it so much in, worse. Because I think that was actually, in, I don't know if it's in the movie or if it was in the book. Because okay. I think the hint is that it might be his her stepfather. Hmm. That makes it so much worse. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's creepy. Uh, and we get the point where she's over him. He is paralyzed and she is sticking him with acupuncture needles. And, and before that, I was going to bring up the dog. Did you notice the dead body's dog? The what did you, now? Did you notice how it was the dog? You see that the the the, the the dog's body. Oh, she was when he wakes up. I yeah, I totally missed that. Okay, no, because the, the way it was, he was dying, you know, it was cartoons like you know, like the cartoon is like eh, his tongue is out. That's how it looks like the dog is die, died. God. His tongue is out and his eyes rolling up, it's like you're watching a cartoon death. Well, that's what happens when you're trying to take notes while you're watching this. You miss stuff from time to time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she. Um, He's paralyzed, but he can feel every bit of of pain. And Mm -hmm. she's stabbing him with all these needles and then wrenching on them and mashing her body into them, making him feel all this horrible, horrible pain. Yeah. (laughs) He's got all those needles in his stomach. Yep. And then (laughs) the needles in the face. And, oh, God. Um, and the, the, the famous line of, you know, kri, 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 kri. it's, uh, which the subtitles say yeah, deeper, deeper, but, uh, it's supposed to be more like endless and, cutting. Um, and for what I think I heard, I think did she actually had this thing, like when she was, she was whispering and Miki heard just like, what are you doing? Because that was off script. It's like, oh, I'm doing, it's like, you know what? Say it while you love them when you do it next time. We'll put it in the film. Nice. Nice. That makes it just so much creepier. Okay. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Um, so let's see here. Only pain and suffering will make you realize who you are. Well, after everything this chick has been through in the course of her life and the horrible things that were done to her and the horrible things that she has done to other people. Yeah. I suppose that would be your underlying philosophy by then. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she brings up the fact that he has a son. And, well, if you love your ah. son, then you can't love only me. So we're going to have to do something about that. Before and, you seen her, like, she killed, like, she killed that other woman from mm-hmm. the one of the, was it the bar or the restaurant? Uh, the stone fish, whatever that was. There's yeah. that stone place. Yep. Uh, and, oh, he's really upset about her bringing up his son, but he is powerless to do anything uh and here's where she finally brings up that he can't go anywhere without his feet (laughs) yep and this is the hard part for a lot of people watching this film uh and she's got these tourniquets that have some type of a valve to tighten them up almost like uh like an outdoor faucet it it was very strange, but you don't even see her tighten it down before she brings out her, uh, it's not piano wire. It's something with, um, some type of an abrasive texture to it. Um, but she wraps it around his ankle and she starts a cutting and she's enjoying it. <laughs> oh, she is going to town and she is so happy and I don't think that's the method. If I'm thinking yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to watch. And she's having flashes <laughs> as she's doing this of her dancing as a child and what is probably her stepfather then watching her and yeah. masturbating while he's watching her dance. So this is uh, all some really crazy sick stuff here. And then that wire goes all the way through and she just picks up that foot and shucks it at the patio door 
and, and that's the go- only gory scene in the film. Yeah, you think just, about it. All this talk of people saying, "Oh, this is a movie influenced tor- torture porn." You're like, "Man, this is not as good as what people say it is." Because maybe at that time it came out, it was like, I think it was a little now shocking at the time in the late '90s, sure, but uh, but yeah, it wasn't nearly as bad as some of the stuff we got throughout the aughts then. Mm. Uh, so then, Eli Roth and uh, so yeah, yeah, and a lot of them were very much inspired by this film too. Um, so then she says, "Right foot next." And this is where she just barely gets started. And then they hear the door opening and the son has come home. I wish I knew his name because I keep saying the son, but um, she goes and runs over. She, she runs over to her bag and I don't know if that's pepper spray or what she pulls out, but uh, a drug, something to make him sleep, something. Maybe I don't know. It doesn't really seem to have much of an effect. After because she... I've known that the, what she drugs, you know, the father is, is a fictional drug, not a real. Like, right. Yeah, they just came up with you know just <laughs> yeah something to serve the plot and not bog it down, which it's fine. I, I'm I'm cool with that. Um, but yeah, she gives it a little spritz to make sure that it's working, and then goes and hides, and. Uh, he's slowly walking through the house, you know, calling out to his dad. And then he enters the room, looks down, sees the state his father is in. And he's like, what the hell is going on? And she sneaks out behind the door and just starts to, you know, depress the, you know, spray thing. And all of a sudden he's snapping awake in bed at the hotel. And he bolts upright, looks down and, oh, there's a Sami. Uh, and oh crap. My oh, I still have back. my, yeah, I still have feet. <laughs> Yay. And yeah, it's, it's all very strange. It's like, was this all a dream? It certainly feels like it at this point. Um, so he goes to the bathroom, splashes a bunch of water on his face. He's, you know, very rattled, looks up. She's there on the door. Hey, you okay? What's, what's going on? And they go back to bed and this is where, you know, she accepts his proposal and you can tell he's like, did I propose? What, what happened? It's, you know, it's, it's very unclear if that's something he had actually done done or only intended to do at the hotel. I think maybe only really intended because I think she took off before any of that conversation was able to have happened. Um, but she accepts his proposal and cuddles up with him. And then you see deeper, deeper again, and we're back to his house and, you know, attacking the sun. Yep. Yep. She's attacking the sun. She chases him upstairs and he kind of trips a little bit on those top stairs. You know, normal horror films, when you see someone go upstairs, you scream, no, but he used it for his advantage, the sun. Yep, absolutely. And that's, you know, the very first time that I saw this years and years ago, I'm thinking to myself, you need to kick that chick down these stairs because you need to end this now. <laughs> and she gets him really good in the face with whatever the spray is. Yeah. So that's why I'm really wondering what the hell it is. But uh, he gives her a good kick and she flies down and you hear this very satisfying crunch. So it must not have been pepper spray. Even because, the way, she, you know, because even the way that she was breathing when she's falling down, like the sound, like, uh-huh, because you can see effect. she very clearly has broken her neck. She's still alive for now, but uh, yeah, it must not have been pepper spray. And I, no idea what it was because his face isn't all red and he's not, you know, streaming tears yeah. and snot and all that. Like you probably would be if you were sprayed in the face with pepper spray. <laughs> but um, so she's got her broken neck and the sun slowly comes down. Realizes, oh, crap, uh, dad. And, you know, he runs over there to, uh, you know, check on him. And his dad's like, call the damn police. <laughs> it's really when you see your dad with, with one leg you don't call the police uh, yeah yeah he's clearly in a bad way uh sure he's got a couple of tourniquets on but he's losing blood um <laughs> just yeah call the fucking cops please so he does and while uh the son's on the phone asami repeats many of her comments from uh the different dates and uh her interactions with yama uh, earlier on in the film and we end 
with a quick little flash of her uh, tying up her ballet shoes uh, in her apartment. Mm. And then credits. Kind of a ambiguous ending as far as how it all plays out. But, uh, I mean, I think I it's think pretty... I think it ballets, because if I'm not mistaken, is her happy place. Because that yes. was, I think, she was thinking of her... And it was taken away was from her, her happy place. when uh, she hurt her mm. hip. So... Yep. Uh, how that ultimately happened, if it was her stepfather or, you know, whatever, who knows. But um, yeah, man, that was audition. Um, <laughs> it's a film. So, it's and it, yeah. I, I absolutely appreciate it. Mean, it's not Itchy the Killer, but it is a film. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, you can see how much it's inspired um like i said it's definitely part of that you know late 90s early 2000s j horror boom or just asian horror in mm -hmm. general because you were getting films out of uh you know korea and uh elsewhere mm -hmm. um but uh yeah man it's a, it's a pretty dope movie at the end of the day it's just a little slow to get going so you really need some patience to you know be able to get anything out of this one but uh yeah that's not a bad thing that's not a bad thing um yeah it's also one of those movies that i recommend people to see without seeing any like a story or oh watch no any trailers no it. you you just you ruin so it's much for yourself I, I didn't yeah yeah the trailer because i know they, they show it's a lot of stuff about the film like they don't they mostly focus on like the horror aspect instead of like like the the normal aspect of the film the whole movie mm-hmm yeah absolutely and it it works really well as just you know this drama of this guy you know chasing after this mysterious woman as well um you know it's like like we keep talking about it's like the final act where you know everything just ramps up full force but uh but yeah um so much of the first you know two-thirds or so of the film um yeah there's a lot to appreciate there um what are your um I mean, do you have any theories as far as what is real and what is ultimately fantasy in this film? Because it does walk a bit of a line from time to time. Yeah. I feel like you know, the parts where, you know, later when you see her in the jinx when she tells him the story about, um, I feel like the part where you, the dead part when we, from the beginning of the film are, are, are fantasy. The real parts are the one where you see him talking to her about, when she tells him of the story about her being abused by her, uncle and her family and then when she by his stepfather was also being abusive to her these are i think the part that i think these are real yeah i i think that's i think that's very true at the end of the day um horrible because also but... he he never goes to her apartment we see him in the apartment he's like how did he know about this mm -hmm. and i think a lot of these flashes are her own as well because she's reliving a lot of this stuff as oh. you know she's doing the horrible things that she's doing um it's all because her, the it's her new is like people place. saying how can he yeah because a lot of people are feeling like how did he know like that this is happening people are realizing like maybe when she was preparing she's about to torture him she was telling her like well about herself and because the and the torturing when the way she's talking to him that's that's actually a fantasy that's not what he's actually hearing yeah, yeah, it could be. Hmm. So, Mika, I guess, has gone on to do a little bit more uh, easygoing fare in his uh, more recent stuff. Uh, it sounds like. Uh, well, I mean, he still did horror. He did actually the original one, Missed Call. That was him. Mm -hmm. You've seen the film One Missed Call? Yes. Yeah, and then. Um, no, the original. Yeah, I, I, I want to say, like, you know, isn't he doing like a little bit of anime or something? Um, I, I can't remember what I was reading. Um, I mean, he did actually, you know, ad adaptation of mangas like George's Bizarre Adventure maybe that's Part what 4, it was. Blade of the Immortal. Okay. Even video games, like the first Yakuza game he made into a movie and oh, Ace Attorney really? also. Hmm. Yeah. Some of them were only in Japan came. I didn't come in the U.S. Gotcha. Huh. Well, yes, and he's also like you talk about misogyny. His films are, if you go especially to his older films, there's lots of like misogyny in them. Mm -hmm. 
even like I mean, Ichi the Killer, it opens with actually a woman who's getting attacked by her pimp and she's getting ripped while the main character is masturbating in front of them. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it it's sounds like, like as another day. Yeah, it sounds like as he's gone on uh, in years, um, some of that aspect of his earlier films has gone away. Um, and you know what? That's all right. <laughs> it doesn't need to all be that brutal. Um, the one that yeah, I mean, uh, people also I when to... they grow up, they, 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 they see they see differently as like their life. Mm-hmm. I mean, even I remember Spike Lee. He talks about like. You going back like if you go back like you said after years that you see like I the one the way I portray women in my movie in my earlier films and my later films are different. He said like because I met my wife and I start to learn differently about women etc. Because people change like in time. Yeah, absolutely, and hopefully for. I mean, the he's better. still the crazy guy because did you saw his new movie First Love? No, no, the last uh, Spike Lee film that I've seen is. Uh, I'm talking about Mike. Oh, Mike, no. Um, no, uh, what was that one again? First Love. First Love. No, it's an action black comedy. Okay, it's, it's like you're watching a Tarantino film. It's basically yeah. a, a hooker and a, a former boxer. They get stuck in like in a war between like the yakuza and the and the cops. All of this because of a drug deal gone bad. Okay, that sounds interesting. I'll have to put that on the list. Yeah. Well, yes. Final thoughts on audition. Well, my final thought is that it's actually you know it's a, I feel like it was actually a great introduction for me for Takashi Miki. So, if we see what happens like in the third, I don't know if it's the great of the right description, but it's actually you know it makes it also unpredictable, and it's also a movie I would recommend people to see it without learning nothing, without seeing any trailers or reading anything about it, because. It would work well if you guys know nothing about it and you see the film. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that uh, sentiment. Uh, you know, so many films like this, especially ones that have a bit of a slow burn aspect to them, are just better off that way because you're not anticipating, you know, the big ramp up at the end through the entire film. Yeah. You're able to experience and appreciate what you're actually seeing in the moment then, which... I think would likely be the original intention that they were going with. So that, that absolutely works. That's uh, that would be my recommendation as well. If uh, yeah. you've gotten this far, I hope you've seen audition and we're not completely spoiling the entire film, <laughs> but um, that's your own fault for uh, watching a podcast discussing a film. Um, and before we leave, uh, do you think that they're still going to move forward with the remake? Because it's been a long time since the news came out of it. I don't mind a remake of a film like this when it's you know over 20 years later it's going to be an american film yeah. setting and last i heard they got actually the guy who did the robert the bruce movie that's actually like the sequel to you know braveheart mm-hmm. he's due to do this film and there hasn't been any news about it no casting yeah stuff, i haven't no heard a thing news. about uh, a remake of this one but that wouldn't bother me so much again because so much time has passed that's fine yeah put your own spin on it. I'm not a hater of remakes in general. It's just when it's a remake of something that came out maybe five years ago, and it just feels like the biggest cash grab ever, especially when Americanizing a foreign film, uh, that's when it really hurts and it feels gross. Like uh, Train to Busan, for example. You know, they've got an American remake. Uh, I can't recall what it's about. But uh, I think last night to something like in New York, like something. last train to last New York train. or something like that. Something like yeah. this last train. To it's I mean, if, if it's a good film, great. But the fact that the you know original Train to Busan is such a great zombie film, mm. it's a fun action film in general, and it's just it's so well made. And just yeah, just watch the original, man. It's it's good. I, I hear the sequel not so good, but. Uh, I, I don't think I heard anything. The, which one, the animated or the live action? No, uh, the live action one, Peninsula. Um, oh. It's on Shutter. I, I should just give it a watch. I mean, I'm already paying for the subscription, but uh, oh. but yeah, it, that type of a remake or a reboot or whatever, it just those always feel gross to me. But otherwise, if it's an old property, um, 
have at it. You know, try to put your spin on it. You know, just imagine the reaction if someone says I'm remaking The Godfather. Yeah, that's all those old critics. How dare you remake The Godfather? Yeah, (laughs) and I can't see anybody wanting to. That's the thing. You know, maybe remaking it, but with a spin in that it's like a completely different genre or something like that. That makes sense to me, trying to deal with a classic like that. But uh, yeah, that I, I would take umbrage a bit to remaking The Godfather or uh-huh. part two. Three, you can have it. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you'd like, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter at DayYasman300. Um, it's not Mr. Yasman because Twitter, for some reason, suspended my account. And on Instagram, it's Mr. Yasman300. It's private, but I actually, you know, because I'm very picky when it comes to people on Instagram. Too many bots getting followed. And also, I'm also, you know, a lot of you might not know, but it's my, because I know Joe knows about it. Uh, I'm working on a podcast called Redemption of the Rotten. It's actually with me and a group of friends will be looking at movies that are actually been badly reviewed or has been polarized by audience and critics to see that this film deserves the reputation that they got and if there's anything good in them. Yeah, and that sounds like a blast, man. Uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to being on the show at some point. Uh, we all have some fun. I'm going to fun. have you for Malignant because I know you want you and Madeline want to be in Malignant. <laughs> that will be a fun discourse there. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. I'm going to leave you guys too. I'm sitting right there, you and Madeline. Just, okay. <laughs> Let us have it out. Sure. Um, All right. Well, this has been Murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Uh, Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe and all that. Uh, I'll be back soon enough with another episode. But until next time, stay spooky, everyone. (laughs) 